This podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you gotta grow up sometime. Back in the saddle. I. It has been so long since we've done this. What even is this? I know we haven't it's recorded been, in like a month. Yeah, almost a month. It. It. We had to take some time off because. Well, I mean, we schedule time off anyway, but also the end of the summer is crazy. So yeah, and my my job sort of exploded as the theater reopened. <laughs> so, which is great. It's great to be back in the theater. The theater reopened just as Delta variant hit our small community. Yep. <laughs> Huzzah. <laughs> just yep. Uh, for listeners at home there, uh, we, like over the past month, we've had about 70 cases in our county compared to like over the entire course of the pandemic previously, we had about 100. So <laughs> it was real wacky for a it, while there. It was rough. I mean, so far everyone's okay. Thank goodness. Yes. But geez. Surprise. <laughs> And also, uh, I went to the mainland to go to my dermatologist a couple days ago, and I had six moles removed from my face, which I've been wanting to do for a while. But it turns out, when you slash your face up a bunch, it kind of hurts. So, uh, are you, how are you doing? Are you, are you, like, you feel good about it? Or are you? Oh yeah, 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 totally. Out? Yeah, these these were all uh, moles that I've been wanting to remove for many, many years. Uh, I was going to get them removed right before the pandemic started, and had to delay it until you know after vaccines and all that. So. So yeah, huzzah. I'm a moly woman and uh, (laughs) nobody's picnic. Back in my creaky chair too. I forgot to get my non-creaky chair. Oh well, we're just going to have chair creaks in this one. Who cares? It's okay. I mean, I I was listening to one of the old ones when we were recording at the studio together and my word, your typing is so loud. I know. I, I told you, man. So when we're recording remotely, as we are today, uh, I I mute my mic when I type. And yeah, when we were recording face-to-face, I couldn't do that because we were using one mic to pick up both of us. So you hear the the thunder of my keys. Mm -hmm. It is like, let's be honest, it is kind of Neil-level typing. Oh, definitely. I mean, here's the thing. You obviously are a person who uses a keyboard a lot because it sounds like you are doing so many words a minute. It's amazing. I do. I do. Uh, I wrote my best-selling book, which is 185,000 words long, which is a very long book, in 10 weeks. Jeez. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, this is Gotta Grow Up Sometime, a Swan's Crossing retrospective, and I'm Libby Grant. I'm Nathan Kessler-Jeffrey. Hi, everyone. We're back. We're back. You never noticed a break in it because it seamlessly transitioned from episode 17 to this one, episode 18, but it has been a while for us. Also... I want to say hello and welcome to the listeners who have found us from Sweet Valley Diaries. Hello, gladiators. Thank you for coming and checking out our podcast. I actually haven't recorded that one yet either, but I'm recording with Marissa tomorrow. Oh, that's awesome. September. Yeah, September 4th. And uh, I'm very excited. I'm sure lots of you folks over at SVD will be coming over to check us out since we have Jessica Wakefield in her first starring role before she was Jessica on the Sweet Valley High TV show. 
Um, she's Mila Rosnovsky, who we will talk about a lot today. Yeah, there's a lot of Mila this episode, and not so a, much Mila. Not a lot of a lot of other people. Yeah, this is a Mila-centric one, but we are going to go back through your predictions from last time, which oh. it's been a few weeks since we covered these. So yeah, ah, here good. we go. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fifty percent or better. Fifty percent or better. Let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> Let's see. All right, you predicted Sandy was going to get back into the studio and discover Mila singing with Owen, be very upset, and there would be a tense scene where Mila won't know what to do, and Owen reminds Sandy about her betrayal on the 4th of July. Okay, I'm giving you that one. Right. Even though the stuff didn't happen where Owen reminded Mila yada yada, still, you nailed the rest of it. I'll tell. I'll That's take a win. It. You predicted that the coven would meet to plan their deviousness. Also, giving you that one. Okay. All right. I mean, the I I had assumed that the coven meeting would be at the slumber party. However, I didn't realize that the boys would be coming to the slumber party, which we're going to get to. So I would, oh, yeah, I would we're count this that. as the meeting of the coven. Yes. I mean, the coven sort of met piecemeal, but they did meet. Okay, you predicted we would find out why Sophia really wants to talk to Jimmy, slash why she came back to the tool and die. Sadly, that did not happen. Nothing nothing with Jimmy, Sophia, or thank God, Barrick. Thank God Barrick was out of this one. Oh my God, I'm so happy that he's gone for now. Uh, you predicted JT will come back and have a tense confrontation with Neil, and we would find out why, why Neil was staring at the computer screen. No, we, 50%, not really. We did find out why Neil is staring at the computer screen. Because yeah, viruses. Virus. But I'll, I'll, I'll count that as a non, like a non-win. Yes, uh, you predicted the Baldies would announce that their operative in Swan's Crossing has discovered new info. No nope. Baldies in this one. And you predicted Muffy would talk to Sydney about starting the stage project. Did nope. not happen. I'm I'm utterly convinced now that the stage project is a red herring. <laughs> I don't I don't think. That it ever, like, I think the stage at some point shows up fully built. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to let this thread dangle and you'll see what happens. <laughs> I can promise you one thing, though. We will discuss the stage in our very final episode where we do a recap of the entire show, or the, the entire podcast. Okay. We will talk about what, what we learned, what we didn't learn, and what the fuck just happened to us over the course of 65 episodes. I love it. And finally... You predicted that Glory would spend at least one scene reading through the poems. You were correct. She spent multiple scenes reading through the poems. Okay, I got <laughs> good three, job. I got three out of seven. Not you know quite what? 50%. Let's round up. That's close to fifty percent. Well, we open in the recording studio where Owen and Mila are listening to a very good recording of Sandy singing that one song we heard in the last episode. Yeah, and it it is playing. It is playing. On a old reel-to-reel recorder, which I don't, I had never had one of those. So my assumption is that by 1992, these things were out the door. Unless you are a rich person, is the sound quality better on these things? I don't know. I don't know anything about uh, recording or sound engineering, which is why our podcast sounds like garbage. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, I, I, I mean, they do say it seems kind of old fashioned for the nineties, right. maybe. Uh, but I thought, you know, if it was a kid who'd set up their own recording studio, I mean, then I could understand them using outdated equipment, but also Owen's rich. Yeah. So, and, and we were well into cassette tapes and CDs by this point. So yeah, just, just the, the use of the old reel to reel sort of baffled me. 
Um, but we we find out that Sandy wrote the lyrics. Uh, Mila really likes the song. Owen is killing me with the puppy dog eyes. I mean, he he just he is su- he's such a space cadet in this episode. Evan Ferrante, given such intense puppy dog eyes, you can see them even through Owen's ever-present shades. Yeah, which we're going to talk like about later happening. because it is so dark in that studio. Why is he wearing sunglasses? <laughs> no wonder he handed her the freaking takeout menu. He can't see what the music says. Okay, I have to pause for just a second because I am moving this squeaky chair. It is too squeaky and I can't sit this still during okay. the recording. So hold on. I never realized how much I squeak when I'm just sitting at my desk and writing, but hang on. Now I'm here on my own with my heart in the wind as the rain beats down like daggers. Ah. See, I can't I can't write in an office chair sort of thing i have to be in like a comfy like chair with with substantial arms to do any writing <laughs> i enjoy writing more in a comfy substantial armchair but i write more if i'm actually sitting at my desk like a proper person doing their job so mm. it's one of the things i have to do to trick myself into working <laughs> hey whatever works anywho so owen gets mila to try singing backup vocals on one part of the song Mila, bless her heart, way off key. I don't know why Owen is so dead set on making her into a singer, because, like, she's not there yet. Come on. (laughs) But Sandy comes into the studio and catches them at it. Okay. Every single person that we have seen come into this studio has come in from camera right (laughs) towards the back wall. Sandy enters this frame from camera left in the dark. What is happening with the architecture of this building? First of all, this is the kind of thing only a stage director would notice. (laughs) So kudos to you for that. Second, you're right. She's sort of like, the architecture is confusing. And Sandy kind of looms as a shadow into, like her hair appears first and it's Mm -hmm. very wide. And she kind of looms into the shot in silhouette and it's like, whoa, yeah, it is very disorienting because you think you have a particular, you know, layout of the studio in your head and she breaks all those walls. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think there were walls to begin with because you appear, you sort of appear in the studio. There doesn't seem to be a door. Like people just walk into frame. You apparate into the studio. You apparate into the studio. That is the only possible explanation. You use Jimmy's portal to apparate into the studio. It's flu powder. There's a chimney off camera right. And the problem is is that that Sandy feels so confident in her new look, she apparated directly in camera left. I guess really you can apparate anywhere and you want to, I suppose, if your magic is strong enough. That's right, except Hogwarts. (laughs) Okay, so Sandy comes in. And is like the last shot of is of her with the the look of horror on her face from hearing her song sung by Mila, and then oh, we yeah. cut to Glory reading reading poems. Yes, yes, she's just sort of looking through the little notebook. The poems are terrible, and Glory has this look on her face like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> it's great. She actually says out loud, "Why did Neil give this to me?" And literally, my notes say. Good question, Glory. You didn't happen to write down any of the bits of the poetry, did you? 
I did not. I I could not bring myself to 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 give second voice to these words, but I presume you did. I didn't write them down at all, mainly because I've seen this show so damn many times. But it, it the poetry uh, involves a lot of numbers. We'll say that it's yeah. numbers slipped into verse to disguise mm. them. So, hmm, interesting. Verse is generous. Very generous. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, we cut to Sydney's bedroom, where Ralph is serving her and Nancy breakfast in the bedroom, like with full table service with table linens and everything. And they're still in their pajamas. Uh, Nancy is still wearing the baby doll pajamas from the previous night. And they have this argument over who's going to take the last crepe. Ridiculous <laughs> to me. And she takes Sydney takes a little bit of the last one. Uh, and Nancy notices that she's had a change in appetite compared to last night. And Sydney says, last night was the worst night of my life. And I was thinking, yeah, Sydney, you spent it with Nancy. (laughs) (laughs) But she's making up for lost time now. And Nancy says, you have a plan, don't you? She wants to know all the gory details. And Sydney says she's going to kill two birds with one stone. One of the things that I that I love about this scene is that Nancy says, you're always hungry when you have a plan. It's like Garrett is the only person in Swan's Crossing who orders a Coke with no ice. <laughs> so Nancy guesses that the two birds who are slated for execution are Garrett and Mila. And Sydney says she can't help it if in the process of getting back at Garrett, Mila also gets taken down a peg or two. I well, I want to point out that this whole thing happens with Ralph standing literally right next to them. <laughs> Ralph is just used to her scheming relentlessly to destroy other children's lives. He's like, whatever. Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> just another day at the Rutledge residence. Um, oh, crap. <laughs> Thankfully, thankfully, uh, in the middle of this, the phone calls Ralph away from the table. It's a call for Sydney. It is the Countess. Yes, and the Countess says, As Mila's best friend, I know you're the only one who can truly help me. Which prompts Sydney to give a truly evil grin to the camera. Like, directly to the camera. Music starts playing. She turns on the phone and looks at this camera, at the camera with this incredible <laughs> evil smile. It's amazing. <laughs> Well done, Sarah Michelle. <laughs> we get the uh, credits. Uh-huh. And then when we come back, we are in the recording studio again, and Mila turns around to see Sandy lurking in her weird apparated location. And, and she's glad to see her. But Sandy's super crushed by yeah. Owen musically two-timing her. She is so depressed. <laughs> I mean, it's Sandy, so of course. Right. <laughs> um, and she's just and she's just had this wonderful makeover from uh, for Mrs. Booth, like, she was on top of the world, and now, uh, crushed. Mila is gushing over how great Sandy's lyrics are, though, and she's like, it's like you're reading my mind. Sandy ignores her and says to Owen, that's our song. And I gotta, I really have to hand it to Mila. She gets, she gets out of the way right away. She's like, I'd love to sing back up. I would like, I don't want to take your song, essentially. And, and then yeah. Owen's all... Sandy's a great teacher. <laughs> like, Owen, my man, read the room. Owen. Sandy does not want to spend time with Mila right now. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, Sandy kind of tries to put them off the idea by saying, well, it takes a lot of discipline to learn how to sing and you have to love it. But Mila's like, I do. I totally love it. And she's like determined to learn how to sing. Uh, she she seems to get the cue that it's time for her to leave. And she invites on her way out. She invites Sandy to the slumber party slash coven gathering this evening. Yeah. And Sandy actually seems pretty flattered to be invited, I guess, because it's like all the popular rich girls and she's kind of not in that crowd. So yeah. she agrees to come, even though she's sort of annoyed with Mila. And uh, she seems to be more or less satisfied that nothing was actually going on between Mila and Owen after all. And I want to also point out that at this point, Mila gets her stuff and is about to leave. And right here is where I realized that Owen has had his headphones on this whole conversation. (laughs) I don't know where they came onto his head, but he is such an an oblivious lizard-loving turd. I just want to strangle him. (laughs) See, well, anyway, I can, I can word stuff too. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> so we cut back to Sydney's room where she's running her hand nefariously up and down the curly phone cord. Man, remember curly phone cords? I do. I do. Remember when that was a thing? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember when you had to buy for the kitchen. You had to buy an extra long phone cord so that you could move around and you weren't like glued yeah. to the wall. And I remember how annoying it was when they would sort of curl in the wrong direction after too much use and you'd have to spend time like recurling them correctly. Yeah, like my office phone right now. (laughs) Drives me bananas. (laughs) Um. Uh, So the Countess admits that she has never hosted a slumber party before and she wants to know how all the hip, cool teens do it these days. Right. In my experience, slumber and parties don't go together. (laughs) Countess, you are bougie as hell. Yeah, seriously, come on. So she's looking for suggestions on what to tell her cook to make for snacks. Sydney suggests things like chips and peanuts and, quote, sodas, natural and artificial. Let me be clear. There was nothing natural about sodas in 1992. I'm pretty sure there's not much that's natural about them now, either. That's (laughs) true, but it was worse in 1992. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, 1992 was just rivers of flowing high fructose corn syrup oh everywhere gosh. you looked. Absolutely. You, that was almost 30 years ago. Jesus, I know, dude. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Sydney has to explain s'mores to the Countess, <laughs> which which desperately reminds me of that scene in Sandlot where um, the, the kid is like, you're killing me, small. <laughs> These are s'more stuff. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the Countess does not understand the concept of s'mores, and to be fair, I mean, Sydney does not explain what they are. She just says no. they're really delicious, so you want some more. She doesn't say that they are, you know, graham crackers and toasty marshmallows and chocolate, which, like, So the Countess asks for the recipe, and Sydney <laughs> says she'll have Ralph fax it to her. It's too complex to just repeat over the phone. You gotta have written directions. Oh my gosh. The Countess, however, is already planning to make petty fours, Swedish meatballs, and canapes, and blinis. So this is going to be a very fancy slumber party. Aren't blinis alcoholic? Okay, blinis are alcoholic, and they are delicious. Blinis, B-L-I-N-I, are like little savory Russian pancakes. They're like teeny tiny little... I know, they sound ex- almost exactly like, and I was very confused the first time I, I saw this. I was like, Bellinis? Are they drinking, like, champagne? Like, what the hell, man? Yep. These kids are 14. But, no. <laughs> and in my notes, I'm like, 
What do you start with a Bellini? The fruit puree? It's not like Bellinis have to bake. Seriously. <laughs> uh, so the Countess hangs up her shell phone. The shell phone is back. And Sydney says, the nerve, for no apparent reason. Like The nerve of what, Sydney? How was the Countess, like, intruding or whatever? That was so weird, Sydney. Ugh. Anyway, then- Nancy... Wants yeah, to know ahead. why she was so helpful. She's like, man, you could have screwed Mila over, basically, by telling her mom to serve a bunch of gross crap. That she didn't tell her the secret ingredient every Swan's Crossing slumber party must have. Oh, my God. Which is, boys. apparently, boys. Boys. What? Okay. We did not have boys at our slumber parties. Like, that was kind of the point. It was supposed to be girl bonding time, and boys would have, like, ruined everybody's vibe. Because, like... You're you're going to talk about the boys at the slumber party. You know, you make your evil coven plans regarding boys at the slumber party. So, I don't know. I was extremely I, confused as to why in Swan's Crossing, boys come to slumber parties. Yeah. You know what? I'm still confused as, as to why this is a thing. Yeah. Um, but they do seem to enjoy it. And there is a shared maniacal laugh between Sydney and Nancy. Then we cut back to Glory's room where she is once more looking at the poetry notebook like it is the worst, and indeed it is. And the phone rings. It's Neil calling to ask what Glory thinks of the poems. She is kind of reaching for something nice to say, so she finally asks Neil what he thinks of them. And he's like, well, they're JT's innermost thoughts. (laughs) Glory goes, they are? I mean, mm, (laughs) they are. So good. does not have a rich inner life. They are? <laughs> she says, well, I'm going to put them away for a while. And, and he gets a little anxious about that. And she's like, don't worry. They're in a secret place. She asks him if he thinks they're hard to understand because she's worried that she will never understand him. Which at this <laughs> point, I am worried that I will never understand him. <laughs> and Neil responds that JT is, quote, one complicated dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Glory gets another call on her call waiting. It's Sydney. Sydney goes, Glory, major news. And Glory goes, Oh, Sydney. <laughs> so Glory tells her to pass the word on to all the boys about the slumber party tonight. <clears throat> and Glory's like, Listen, that's not so easy right now because JT won't come within 10 million miles of Garrett. And she asks Sydney, She's like, Why do you want to see Garrett anyway? And Sydney says she's willing to forgive and forget. So it's going to be and a wonderful opportunity to be one big happy family. Yeah. Mm. And so everyone's going to put it all behind them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Glory switches back over to JT, who is, and this is true, dear listeners, looking at a book, typing into the computer, and reciting the Pythagorean theorem. All at I the didn't same notice time. that, but good job. Yeah. Um... <laughs> And he, and he says, when when he realizes she's back on the line, he's like, sorry, I thought I was still in the zero gravity world of old. So she tells Neil to let JT know that she will be at Mila's slumber party that night, just in case he wants to see her. After they all hang up their phones, Sydney says, it's done. <laughs> and will not give any details to Nancy. Yeah, Nancy's like, how can I help you? If, if you won't give me, if you won't tell me what all the details are. And Sydney's like, relax. Enjoy the ride. Fortunately, we cut away from this awkwardness to different awkwardness. <laughs> Just the Countess and Mila. The Countess is asking Mila what she knows about s'mores. 
And I love the complete obliviousness that these two people seem to share about the simple plebeian things of life. I mean, Mila has only ever eaten caviar bellinis for her entire life. Obviously. <laughs> that's that's what's Count- provided by craft services on afternoon drinks. <laughs> the Countess says she asked Sydney for advice because she can't take the chance on everything not being perfect. And Mila's like, whoa. It's okay if it's not perfect, because I just want to be a normal kid, and normal kids aren't perfect. The Countess brings up episode 4206 on Afternoon Dreams, which is the one where Mila's character attends a slumber party. So we can well, add. not not from any slumber party. Uh, a pita bread party thrown by the Sultan's daughter in her mother's harem. What the fuck was up with 3 o'clock dreams? We have to figure out what this show even was. <clears throat> where was it set? What was it doing? Why was Mila's character constantly being sex trafficked by adult men? It's very weird. Anyway, apparently this party had Rack of Lamb and sitar music, which sounds pretty fucking lit to me. I'd go. Right. And then uh, she, Countess heads out after telling Mila to relax and Glory enters from the elevator. Uh, The Countess says to Glory, hello, Glory. I'm absolutely overwhelmed with details. Onion dip is truly a foreign concept to Greta, which is possibly the best exit line of all time. <laughs> Apparently Greta is the Rosnovsky's cook this week. Right? According to me. This week? <laughs> They're going through a lot of cooks. And where are they finding all these fancy cooks in this town? I mean, well, it is full of rich people, so maybe there are a lot of cooks with high turnover. Maybe they just, you know, maybe they rotate. Could be. Mila's kind of bummed because she's like, listen, this party is more for my mom instead of for me. And Glory's like, well, we'll make it your party. This is the second party in a row specifically for Mila. So I think, Mila, you can just like chill. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Nobody else is getting parties. Boy, Mila, relax, girl. She begins gazing at a framed picture of Garrett on her nightstand. No, 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 (laughs) no. She pulls the frame picture out of her purse. Oh, that's right. And sets it on the nightstand because Garrett has just given it to her after their swimming lesson. In honor of my first float. And I, this is such a throwback moment to me from the 90s. Like getting the picture of that other person. Oh, oh. So good. And it is it is such a classic, like, 90s look in that photo of Garrett. Oh, my gosh. It's oh, yeah. so good. And so this is good. clearly, like, like Shane McDermott's headshot or something. Like, it's black and white, and it's right. very, you know, portraity. Um, but everything is about, this is so strange. So, like, he brought a framed picture of himself to their swimming lesson to give to her if she learned how to float. Mm. Like... This is really weird. I mean, it's Garrett, and he's a psychopath, as we've already established. So I guess it's not that surprising, but also it's kind of surprising. He (laughs) was going to give her the photo no matter what success she had. So he was like, he couldn't get her to, like, swim. So he was like, you floated. Here's a photo. Interestingly, if you look at the other nightstand on the opposite side of Mila's bed, there's a framed picture of Sydney. Symbolism. Mila says she still feels like she's floating. And she says, for the first time in my life, I, Mila Brigida Rosnowski, has a boyfriend. That is some bad grammar right there. Oh, definitely, yes. Apparently, grammar is not a rich people thing. No, no. 
Uh, and she she expresses uh, th- like apparently there have been guys before that that press agents have invented for her, uh, but she wants to be like like Glory and JT who have something special. Oh, it's like that sad thing where where uh, Judy Garland was made to date uh, Mickey Rooney when they were teenagers or something. It's depressing. Uh, uh, Glory seems a little bummed, and she says, "Well, I hope it works out better for you." <laughs> And and Mila goes on to say, and I quote, This has been the perfect day. Started out with me and Owen's studio. I thought I could learn to sing. And then at the pool, I learned to float. And then Garrett gave me his picture. And I instantly thought to myself, um, no, Mila. If you recall from the last episode, your day started with you throwing tiny swimsuits at a stuffed bear on your coffee table. True. <laughs> That's how your day started, you weirdo. Mila asks Glory how you know when you're in love. Which seems to be the theme of this episode because we get that we get that a couple times. Also, oh, yeah. for this scene, she grabs the photo off of the nightstand, gets into bed, and is just gazing at it. Oh, so <sighs> much gazing. Glory says, it's like every time you're with that person, you feel like giggling. And meanwhile, the slow sax jam begins to play in the background. Glory's love theme. So she goes on to say, you get butterflies in your stomach, and no matter where you go, if you're not with that person, it's like your whole life is empty. No, no, Glory. (laughs) What you're describing is codependence. Yes. Like, ooh, I don't know about that, but okay. Yeah. I do do recall very clearly throughout this time in my life, though, like, having that constant question of, like, am I in love? What is love? How does this work? Yeah. You know what I mean? True. Um, yeah. I, I think that is a very, very realistic thing for that age to be like, wait a minute. Am I in love? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mila's all psyched because that's exactly the way she feels about Garrett. Really? She feels empty whenever he's not with her. Like, whoa, this is a problem. Yeah. I think that's exactly the kind of thing Garrett preys upon. So beware. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, like, I'm, Mila's really making a run for Psychopath of the Week this time. <laughs> she is. Jeez. Back in the studio, Sandy is super focused and motivated, and Owen notices. So maybe she finally got some treatment for her depression. Possibly. Uh, they're they're gonna they're gonna take it from the top of the song again when the phone rings. And at this point, I was like, "Why is Owen wearing sunglasses? It is so dark in there." He literally like only ever takes them off when he wants to look at Mila in person, and sometimes not even then. <laughs> so weird. It is. It's anyway, uh, it's apparently Sydney on the phone, although we don't hear her. It's just clear that she is summoning Sandy urgently, and Sandy must go. And Owen decides to go as well, because he and Neil are going to be comparing computer viruses. Yes, they're going to talk about viruses, and, uh, which is what every, everyone's been talking about now, too, in 2021. It's, so, true. it's true. And, and Sandy asks if they're both sick. And Owen explains that it's it's compu- it's Neil's computer is sick, and there's this ominous synth music that plays. <laughs> like, dun, dun, dun. his computer is sick, you guys. So over at Swans, we get some great action from Jazz. Oh. She brings Sundays to Sydney and Nancy. Nancy's back in the blue blazer. Oh, yes, the blue blazer in her power suit. Yep. Thank God. Yep. 
Jazz notes that they seem to be plotting something, and she warns them that whatever goes around comes around. She also has this beautiful line that says, you better eat fast because the heat coming off of this table could cause an instant meltdown. What? Like, what are you talking about, Jazz? I don't know Jazz? what this means. It's so, the dialogue in this show, I swear to God, it's so bizarre. Sydney, Nancy asks what her part in the evil scheme will be, and Sydney tells her to organize the corn popping. Sydney obviously does not have a lot of confidence in Nancy's abilities to manage anything beyond being snide. Which is interesting because Nancy is actually pretty good at messing with people. Like, we've already established this. Sydney can trust her more. You know, let let a person who's good at their job do their job. Get out of the way and let them go, go crazy. And then they start going through the whole schedule. And apparently, according to Sydney, trading and trying on makeup is going to take an hour. And after that, they will go into games. And this is the time at which Neil sits down at the table with them uh, and asks about the games. I just, was training and trying on makeup something that actually happened at slumber parties? I don't know. I mean, not at mine, because neither I nor any of my friends were really that into makeup. Okay. So, not there, but I, I assume probably at some slumber parties it happened. All right. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Not at mine. Neil suggests various games to play, and Nancy says, Sydney's inventing a brand new game. And there's another shared evil smile between the two of them. And Sydney asks if the boys know about the party. Neil's like, yeah, they do. Why are you so interested? And Jazz comes over, and in another one of her great lines, sticks her head down towards the table to talk to them and goes, Y as in Y chromosome. It's very awkward. And it then she just make... walks away. Yeah. None of this dialogue makes a lick of sense. Like, seriously, it is like aliens from outer space tried to write a TV show about American teenagers. It's just so weird. (laughs) Anyway, commercial break. Commercial break. (laughs) When we come back from commercial, there is this glorious moment where Neil acts like Sydney and Owen have just walked in, but they've obviously simply been standing there waiting for the cameras to roll. (laughs) yeah (laughs) it is you were absolutely right like as a as a person who directs theater and storytelling pieces the the, like it's just there are so many little things throughout this show that i'm just like how all they had to do was just walk into frame just like two steps backward and and roll and they walk in and then anyway it does oh god (laughs) so troubling awesome Sydney and Nancy pull Sandy into their coven and make her sit down at the table with them. And Neil and Owen go off together to sit at the bar. Uh, Neil tells Owen that the slumber party is happening tonight. And Owen gives us the reaction that I'm not sure if it's mocking or if he's psyched. I don't know what he's doing. Well, what it seemed like to me was that Owen was completely uninterested until Neil mentions that it's at Mila's. And then we get this Uh, nice chime sound effect to just really, really emphasize the point. Oh, yeah. So he's definitely going to go to that party so he can mack on Mila. Right. We get instant milkshakes from Jazz. They take no time at all to make. She has them pre-created and ready to go. Oh, my gosh. Um, Back in Mila's room, she's still gazing at that picture of Garrett. She tells Glory that sometimes when she's walking down the street, she starts blushing and it's so embarrassing. Presumably she's blushing because she's thinking about Garrett, but who knows? It's not specified. Maybe right. it's just random. This this whole bit of the scene is set to this synth 1950s doo-wop background music. Yes. And between between the, the blushing and the stars seeming brighter and the 
air seeming sweeter. I was like, oh my gosh, this crap is killing me. What is... And then Mila yes. seems to realize that she's quoting Sandy's lyrics. Well, no. She she says, the sky seems bluer, the stars seem brighter, and the moon seems to be all hers. And Glory says, hey, that sounds like the words from a love song. And Mila's like, it is. So, like, put a pin in that because we're going to come back to that later in the best possible way you can imagine. Okay. Is that not Sandy's song? It's not Sandy's song. Oh. It is the first flush of inspiration for Mila's new career. Oh, no. Yeah, Mila's going to become a songwriter, kind of. Oh, my God. <laughs> you're going to hate it, and you're going to want to jump out a very high window when you hear it. <laughs> See, here's the thing. I wish you had not told me that, because that is not something I could have ever predicted. Never But you know what? Years. Even with me telling you that, you still cannot predict how atrociously stupid it's going to be. So... <laughs> Oh so, my gosh. so in. <laughs> thank God we cut away from that to the milkshakes again. Uh, Owen's discussing that he's suddenly writing about a girl in all of his music. And Neil's response is, maybe you've just got to get a bad idea out of your system. <laughs> Neil, I love him. And Owen's then, like, no, she's in my system. Uh, what does it feel like to be in love? We get that question again from, uh-huh. from Owen. asks Neil this. I don't know why Owen is asking Neil this. As far as anyone knows, Neil has never been in love with anyone or anything. Right? And, and Neil responds, from my observations, it's quite stressful. <laughs> I'm like, you love Neil? Neil, you're not wrong, buddy. You're not wrong. I think Neil might be my favorite character now. Uh, and then we so, instantly like switch back to Mila and Glory. And this the, the back and forth between these two scenes, normally I'm like, the scenes in Swan's Crossing are too long. In this particular <laughs> setting, these scenes, oh my gosh, the cuts were driving me bananas. <laughs> and Mila's like, liking someone is so hard, but I want to feel like this forever. <laughs> and Glory's, Glory says, well, you know, so your feelings change eventually. Ugh. And um, Mila's like, no, I don't want them to. Yeah. And then we cut back. Well, then we're we... back at Swans again. My God. Oh, you're right. It's just like back and forth in a nauseating repetition. And then we cut back to Mila and Glory. And, and Mila asks, has Garrett ever had a real get- girlfriend before? Tell me everything. And <laughs> like suddenly Glory is very much put on the spot. And she gives this weird answer. She's like, Garrett's a very complicated person. And it sounds like she's trying to cover for the fact that Garrett murders all of his girlfriends. Yeah, like she, right? She's avoiding talking about Garrett and his girlfriends. Right. Or, or Garrett is extremely poly. Yeah. <laughs> One or the other. Garrett currently has six girlfriends. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Mila's like, it doesn't matter anyway, because he said that she is the one girl he really cared about. And Glory's like, he did? He said that? And then we cut back to Sydney. There is a tiny swan in her shake glass. What is this thing? It's like an empty, she's finished the shake, but now there's a plastic swan in it. She pulls it out and appears to start breaking pieces off of it or taking something out of the inside of it and eating it. I have no idea what this thing is. What is happening? But anyway, uh, she starts bitching about Mila while she does this. Mm-hmm. Sandy joins in because she doesn't want Mila creeping on her man or on her territory. Right. And Sandy's like getting all mad about how Mila thinks it's so easy to sing. Gall. 
I'm still just so focused. I, I have all these notes. Like, why is Sydney eating this plastic swan? It's very strange. It's so confusing. So finally, Sandy starts to like show a little anger about Mila showing up in Owen's studio and the way Owen was behaving, and goes on about how singing's not as easy as she thinks. And Nancy is finally in her element where she's like, yes, let's tear somebody down. Yeah, she mentions, so Sandy's like, it'll probably be easy for Mila to become some great singer because everything's so easy for her. And then Nancy's like, well, things aren't going to be so smooth for Mila for now on. And then she and Sydney clink their Sunday glasses together in the most ostentatious evil cheer of all time. And then we cut over to Owen and Neil who clink their glasses to being in love and to getting rid of viruses and roll credits. Yes. Roll credits over the greatest grin from Neil of all time. It's like, true. The very definition of a shit eating grin. It's wonderful. This is <laughs> like, there's no Garrett. There's no Barrack. There's no Jimmy. There's no Sophia. There's no Callie in this episode. We only get supporting adults. Like we got Jazz and Ralph. It's a very strange episode. Not a lot happens, except that we clearly understand there's a lot of scheming going on. Yeah. So quite a setup for next week, which will be the end of our season, the end of season two. Oh, how exciting. Um, I know. I'm so thrilled. I can't wait. But yeah, anyway, um, who is the psychopath of the week this week? I I got I gotta go with Mila, like just the 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 sheer obliviousness. I mean, she, I guess it's not psychopathy because like there's nothing malicious about it. She's just utterly clueless. Um, yeah, maybe it's Sydney. No, I mean, who is it? I, nobody was really a standout psychopath this week. I do think we should give it to Mila though. If nothing else, kind of as a consolation prize, like she gets one. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> honorary psychopath of the week so we had some pretty exciting swans this week uh we had one of the we had mila's bed swan we had the plastic swan in sydney's glass and then if you look carefully on the back of the countess's notepad on which she is taking down all the ingredients that sydney is giving to her there are two more swans oh nice Excellent. Great swan count. So five um, new fake swans. We got uh, two imaginary swans, 24 actual swans, and 56 other types of swans. My God, so many other swans. Okay, um, what are your predictions for next week, which obviously we can tell already is going to be the slumber party episode? Right, right. So um, I think, here's what I think. I think it's going to be uh, another big full cast episode. What is what is next so next week's is episode uh, 20. So that's the Friday episode. So it's big, full, full uh, main cast episodes. We get all the, all the teen girls, all the teen guys. Countess is going to be in it. I don't think we're going to get a lot of other adults. I think it's mostly going to take place at the Rosnovsky house and probably all in Mila's bedroom since they don't have another set. There, the the food is going to be discussed ad nauseum, either either pro or con. I'm not sure which. The boys will show up, and that is going to be a surprise to at least Mila and probably the Countess. And I wonder if that. I feel like the boys are going to have to sneak in. That's that's my prediction. The boys have to sneak into the house. The games that Sydney 
is envisioning is are, are, are something that is going to get Garrett and JT into a fight so that Garrett gets in trouble and gets kicked off the baseball team. I think Sandy's going to sing, or I mean, Sandy's bringing music. So I think the, so I'm going to say Owen brings his keyboard, Sandy's going to sing, and no, and the rest of the cast is not going to care. They, they're just not going to care that she is pouring her heart and soul into this. I don't think we get any new information about the computer virus this next episode. Callie calls people out on their bullshit, probably Sydney. Uh, I think Nancy says something horrid to probably Mila, like like starts to get Mila to like doubt herself in some way. I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. That's that's all I've got. All right. Excellent. Well, we will see what what comes of all this madness next week as we close out season two. Um, I have a few fun mid-season bonuses planned. Hopefully some of those will be interviews with potentially cast members. I have reached out and we will see what comes of it, if anything. Fingers crossed, everybody. And uh, yeah, I guess you can find us on social media, though I haven't been updating there much lately because I've been so damn busy with copy edits on my next book. Uh, but we're on Twitter at Gotta Grow Up Pod and on Instagram at Swans Cross Pod. Thank you to Richard Windler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime, from the hit show Swans Crossing. And until we meet again, my friends, may your coven meetings always be timely and efficient. <laughs> Bye. two-toed sloth in zero gravity what i do not have 12 loves but one only six degrees colder than the body temperature of a nudibranch why didn't neil give this to me